Welcome, Schmodown fans. This is a big one. We are on episode number 42 of Talking Schmodown, and it is all about the Schmodown Spectacular Four. I hope you guys are ready because I am so excited to break this one down. So, as I say every episode, let's get ready to talk Schmodown. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, I am Josh the Merc Rainer, owner of Merc with a Movie Blog, and we are on episode number 42 of Talking Schmodown. It is a special one, as I said, that we are covering the spectacular Schmodown Spectacular 4. Uh, this is fantastic. If you guys have been following me, then you may know that this show started on covering Spectacular 3. So it's essentially been about a year since uh, I started this show. So this is a big one for me. You know, I, I, like I said, I started off with Spectacular, and here we are a year later doing the next Spectacular. And I gotta say, it was a hell of a show. Uh, five great matches, all five rounders, some awesome stuff going on. Uh, so, you know what, I think that we shouldn't waste any more time. We should jump right in since we have so much to cover i am pumped so let's go so the event for those of you who who actually watched it live uh you you know i'll be covering some of the stuff that doesn't get edited out because christian has said that some of it will get edited down um i know there was some language stuff going on some time length stuff going on so uh if you watch if you watch the actual live event uh, you know, from on Patreon, then you'll you'll be a bit more accustomed to everything that I'm talking about. You, there may be a few things that uh, I mentioned that got cut out. I don't know, uh, as I have watched that version, that live version now twice uh, in prep preparation for this show. Uh, so hopefully they don't cut out too much. So let's get into it. The event started off with Emma Fife and Brad Gilmore kind of ramping up the audience. Like, they, they always do a little bit of a pre-show uh, with various people. Usually Brad's one of them. Uh, they did a tribute to Emma McAllister, a.k.a. Dollface, who recently passed away. Uh, but when I, I got say, when I first was watching it, because I, I watched it actually live when it was airing, um, I, there were some glitches going on with the live stream, at least on my video, and... It froze up right around that time, so I didn't actually get to see what it was. Um, and so when I rewatched it, I was like, "Okay, great, I'm going to be able to actually see what this tribute was." Uh, and Brad says, "You know, let, you know, let's show the the video package." But all that they showed was the logo image for Emma. Um, so I don't know if something else was cut out like, during the the like the, the rebroadcast of the live portion. Or, or, or if that's just what it was, it was just that that uh, that logo. But like he said, a video package. I thought there was going to be something more to it. Um, but either way, it was it was just like a real nice thing for them to do in general. Uh, I thought there, like I said, you know, the way they made it sound, I thought there was going to be a little bit more to it. But I'm just glad that they did something to honor her uh, in general. Uh, if there is something that I missed during the initial live stream, let me let me know. Head, hop on the Twitter at MovieBlogMerk and let me know if there was something else that uh, that was missed. I don't know. 
Then we got Janine the Machine doing a great rendition of the national anthem. She she has a beautiful voice. Uh, she's very talented, so this was really cool to see. Then Christian and Mark came out to get the show started. Uh, they started talking about the upcoming matches for the night. Announced that there uh, would only wind up being that there may wind up only being uh, four matches because John Roca has uh, had bronchitis and you know was pretty under the weather. Uh, and that he may not make it to the event. Then they did uh, a moment of silence for Emma McAllister. And then they went into the Spectacular Four promo vid. Done by the very talented Eric Rodriguez from Nerd Chronic. So, now we are going to get right into the matches with match number one. Ben Bateman versus William Bibiani in the Ultimate Schmodown Singles Tournament Finals. You know, these guys worked their asses off to get to this point. You know, Ben... Ben was going through some back issues, uh, and this match was actually supposed to take place back at the Orlando live show. But due to Ben's back surgery and him not being able to fly, uh, it wound up being rescheduled because William Bibiani refused to accept a forfeit. You know that that was on the table originally was that there, you know Ben would have to forfeit and, and Bibbs would get the get the win. You know, and, and Bibbs was like, he, did, he didn't want to win that way. So they they decided to reschedule it and move it to the Spectacular. And, you know, in its place at the live show was that Draft Bowl, which I ha- I'm assuming was supposed to take place here uh, at the at the Spectacular. I, I'm assuming that this that first match was probably supposed to be the Draft Bowl instead of this uh, the, this tournament match. Uh, so Bateman came out first with the Horseman, minus Roca, of course, uh, followed by Bibbs with the Kid. Uh, they got they brought out a nice and naughty list. They were wearing like Santa hats, el- uh, elf hats, stuff like that. Getting really getting into the holiday spirit. It was really fun. It wasn't like a big, huge kind of entrance thing, but it was something just something small and something fun for them to do. So we get into round number one, and it's real close. Uh, eight to seven. Bibbs gets a perfect round, although he does miss. His uh, his bonus question, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like, I knew it right off the bat. Um, this movie, Ugly Dolls, is my pick for the worst film of 2019. And I've seen it a couple of times. My daughter enjoys it. She's four years old, though. So, you know, it's just it's colorful. It's got weird-looking things. She, she enjoys it. But, yeah, it's not, it's not a good movie. Um, but I was, I'll be honest, I was a little bit shocked that he didn't know it. However, you know, it's understandable. It's one of these animated films that didn't pop big it just has a bunch of celebrities in it whatever i get it so we get into round number two uh bibs defers and ben spins new releases after a little bit of deliberation decides he's gonna gonna stick with that uh has a rough start getting his first question wrong after go after even going to multiple choice uh however bibs gets it wrong too so he's not able to get a steal uh, but then he goes on to get all uh three questions remaining for six points each um, so, speaking of uh, some of these questions, question number three, Ben challenged that his answer was correct. Originally, uh, they said that his answer was incorrect. Um, Bibbs, again, unable to, to uh, capitalize on a steal there. But Ben challenged it and said that his answer uh, was correct, that uh, in the movie What Men Want, the main character worked at an ad agency with athletes to promote their campaigns. Mark and Christian deliberated and decided that his answer was, in fact, correct. Bibbs didn't quite quite agree, but he did not challenge the challenge, which maybe he should have. 
you know, maybe that's something he should have done. You know, if if it wasn't quite there and he used his challenge to force them to really look into it further, maybe he would have won. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so it ends his portion of round uh, 2, 8 to 13. So Ben is up by 5 points with Bibbs going into his round. Uh, he spins movie release dates, and he's like, nope, not doing any of that. Spins away and lands on Pixar. Not a bad category. Uh, and Bibbs does okay. Here he he gets all four of his questions right. However, he did have to go to multiple choice three times, so he only wound up with five total points, tying up the game 13-13 to 13 at the end of this round. If he had, if Bibbs had challenged uh, that challenge from, from Ben's round, and gotten it uh, to go his way, uh, which, you know, there's no guarantee you know that it would have, but if it had, then he would have had a two-point lead uh, coming out of this round. So who knows, man? You know, always, don't, don't just let something, if you don't agree with something, use that challenge if you think that there's a possibility of it, of it succeeding. So then we get into round number three, and that is the betting round. Uh, the category that was spun was opponent's choice, uh, and Ben chose movie release dates, of course. So the question wound up being, what year was the James Bond film Goldeneye released? Answer was 1995. Uh, William Bibiani wagered one point, was unable to get a correct answer, so he lost that point, uh, whereas Ben wagered three points and hit it for uh, for, the, for the total three Putting him ahead at the end of round three by four points, 16 to 12. Uh, this was a big hit for, uh, for, for for Bibiani. He took a huge hit here. He is now four points behind going into round number four, which is the speed round. And Ben just crushes it here. Ben gets four out of five questions. He's able to buzz in and get them right. Uh, William Bibiani got one of them. And ben, he, ben just destroyed this speed round. That's the thing. He's probably been practicing and practicing and practicing, just waiting for the chance to get in here, you know. He knew that he was going to have this uh, this match with Bibiani coming up. He knew it was going to be a five-rounder, and he knew that it would lead to a title match. So he probably took that time and just practiced, practiced, practiced on these buzzers because it's key. It is absolutely key to be able to be good at that. Coming out of round four, William Bibiani is down seven points, uh, twenty to thirteen. It's it's insane. And now we go into that final round, and it's almost impossible to come back from something like that. Uh, Bibbs gets his two and three point question right, and is unable to get his five point question correct in round five. And Ben Bateman wins via a TKO, twenty to eighteen. And will now go on to face Paul Oyama for the title later in the night. This was just the beginning of some insane uh, matches that happened throughout this night. Uh, but I gotta also say, surprisingly low-scoring match for these two competitors, twenty to eighteen. That's and in a five-round match, nonetheless, that's a very surprisingly low-scoring match. So. You know, this was something that I was shocked about. I, I wasn't, I did not think that one Bibbs would do as poorly as he did. I mean, he did okay, 
but okay is not good enough when it comes to uh, a match like this, especially up against someone like like Ben. He, I, I don't know what happened, but Bibbs was definitely having an off night, um, and I feel bad because I, I love Bibbs, and he was who I had going all the way in both tournaments. So uh, unfortunately, he did not uh, make his way out of this round. So after this, uh, they brought out three of the managers for the next year's draft. Uh, they brought out Coy, Winston, and Jay, and they revealed some of their team names. This is something that they uh, do throughout the night in between each match. Uh, they bring out some of the managers, so uh, we'll get into this. Coy Jandro was first, and he revealed the name of his team to be the Mouthy Mercs. This one held a little bit of a special place in my heart, of course, uh, as you know, he named his, uh, his team after Deadpool, who's the, the Merc with a Mouth. I named my site uh, after Deadpool, Merc with a Mouth, Merc with a Movie Blog. So hearing Koi uh, use the mouthy Mercs, I was like, wow, that's awesome. You know, Mercs for life, definitely. And I love Koi. He's awesome. So I'll definitely be keeping an eye on, uh, on him throughout the draft. Uh, then it was Winston next, and he named his the Swag Squad. And Swag, S-W-A-G, stands for Schmodown Winners and Greatness. The Swag Squad. Drip, drip. That's right. Uh, and then we have Jay Washington, who named his simply Villains and Heroes. Uh, a simple name, but it gets the job done. It tells you exactly what to expect from someone like Jay Washington. All right. So now that we've got that out of the way, we're going to jump into match number two. Alex Damon versus Laura Kelly. For the Star Wars title match, uh, the lead up to this has been great. You know, watching these Star Wars competitors make their way through some of these insane questions has been great. And that match between Laura and Andrew DiMolanta was fantastic. She is a star, and she will. I, I I can't wait to see her come back and continue to fight uh, for for a spot in this league. Uh, I mean, she she, she has. She has a permanent spot in my heart, and I hope that she continues to uh, gain more and more prestige throughout this league because she is fantastic and uh, has been one of the tougher com- uh, competitors for Alex Damon that we've seen yet. We had uh, Ken Knapsack come out for this th- this match since he his, he's the resident Star Wars guy. Uh, he came out for this uh, on the desk with Mark Ellis. Then out first was Laura Kelly with her manager and fellow Force Toast podcast co-host, Alice, followed by Alex Damon with his wife, Molly Damon. So we get into round number one, and this was incredible. Ten questions in the first round, and both competitors get a perfect round. It was awesome. Uh, Unfortunately for Laura, she did not get the bonus question, whereas Alex did. Uh, so we end round one, eleven to ten. Th- you know, when it comes to a guy like Alex Damon, you really don't want to miss a question here. So this was really the start of, of, of kind of like the downfall. So we get into round number two. Alex defers and Laura spins Attack of the Clones and decides to stay with it. And she clears the board, getting all ten points. She's definitely a tough competitor in this league. Like I said. Uh, in order, you know, she, a perfect round one. Yeah, she missed the bonus, but a perfect round one, a perfect round two. She's really, this is something special to watch. 
So then Alex goes up and he spins heroes and villains. Uh, I guess he decided this was a little bit too broad, so he respun and landed on, again, heroes and villains. I guess it was meant to be. Uh, but he does great in it, and he scores, just like Laura, all 10 points. Another perfect round for Alex Damon. Uh, ending round 221 to 20. So then we get into the betting round here. And what category do they spin, of course? Heroes and villains. I guess it was just really meant to be for this one. When the question is, in The Empire Strikes Back, who had the call sign of Rogue Four? The answer was Derek Hobby Clivian. Alex wagered three points and got it correct. Laura wagered two points and was unable to come up with the answer. And this is where she took the biggest hit, losing two points when Alex gains three. She was already behind by a point. Now she trails by six points. And that is not a place that you want to be when you're up against someone like Alex Damon. One point, maybe even two points, that, that's doable. Six points against Alex Damon, that's almost a death sentence. Uh, so we come out of round number three, 24 to 18. And we get into round number four, which is the speed round. Alex hits three questions. Laura buzzes in for two, but misses one of them, losing a point there, negating her other. Uh, and now she trails even farther behind, 27 to 18, a nine-point deficit. Luckily for Laura, she did save herself from getting uh, KO'd right here. However... You know, it, it, it was difficult because, you know, you've got a nine-point deficit when you're up against someone like Alex Damon. That is tough. You don't you don't want to be there. So, luckily, like I said, she was able to get herself at least into round five. And she did show that she, you know, she can do great things here. She did get all three of her questions for ten points, forcing Alex to answer a question, leaving, taking the, the TKO right off the table, uh, however, he Alex did go on and answer his two-point question, winning the match. So Alex Damon wins 29-28 to 28 and retains his championship. Al- Damon pitched a perfect game. He did not miss a single question. He got every question in round one plus the bonus. He cleared the board in round two. He got the betting question right. He got three the, the three questions in the speed round that he buzzed into. He got those right. And then he answered the one question that he had to answer in round five. Literally every single question. Not one wrong answer. And that's why you have to be on the top of your game when you're going up against someone like him. So if somebody, if there's somebody out there who is uh, going to be able to beat him, they are going to have to really step it up and uh, bring what they got to the game because Alex Damon is nothing, nothing to slouch at. So right now, uh, you know, that was the end of that match. First off, I'd like you guys to head on over to Twitter, at MovieBlogMerk. Let me know, what did you think of the William Bibiani-Ben Bateman match? And what did you think of this Star Wars match between Laura Kelly and Alex Damon? Did your predictions pan out? Uh, How did you like the matches overall? Uh, And in about a couple of minutes, we are going to go to an ad break. But first, I'd like to play... A clip of a of an interview with none other than Laura Kelly, the competitor, the challenger in this Star Wars match, uh, that was held over on uh, SEN After Live, uh, one of the other shows right here 
on the Merc with a Movie blog podcast feed. So uh, enjoy this interview, and then we'll hop into some ads, and then uh, we'll be right back. How did you actually get involved with the Schmodown then? Um, like, what brought you into it? How did you get their attention and, and end up competing? It's a good question. I kind of wonder myself too. So I, uh, I I ask myself all the time. I'm like, I don't know how I got here. Um, the, which is good. I, it's not good actually. I mean, I I say things like I don't have a very good memory, but I mean, clearly I do. I've got some ability to memorize some things. Um, but the, it was sort of a whirlwind. My friend and I were about to launch a star Wars podcast. Uh, we, we launched force toast in February of this year we were going to we were going out to dinner and we were meeting at a bar before to have a drink before dinner and in the uber on my way to the bar i saw that the schmodown was going to be having a competition at star wars celebration in that would have been star wars celebration this past year yeah 2019 and uh when i saw that i i just hit a quick reply um it was christian that had tweeted it and asked him, hey, you know, my friend and I have been doing Star Wars trivia around Chicago pretty regularly for the last two years. We're the champions of the city by far. We just obliterate everyone we play. And uh, is there any way we could get involved with this? And he, from there, he DM'd me. I wasn't expecting to get any response at all. I kind of just figured it would get ignored because they probably had all their players at that point. And he would just be like, man, fuck off. That's fine. Um, but no, he responded and we kind of talked a little bit and he's like, Hey, listen, I don't have room for two people. I only have one spot, but chat with your friend. Let me know which one of you wants to be involved. And I can, I can get you in if you want to play. Um, so that that's, it kind of started from there and went from there and yeah, it was, it was weird. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how did that decision come about between you and your, and your, uh, partner there in Chicago who, how did that come about? Which one of you would, would take that spot? She always says that she's surprised that I asked her at all if she would be interested in doing it, that I didn't just jump <laughs> at it and be like, it's me, I'm going to do it. Like, But I'm, I don't know. I'm like, I would have I been a good coach and a good manager if you had wanted one. I take a little bit of offense to that. But um, I think at the time she was sort of going through a little more of a pro, a little bit more of a Star Wars burnout than I was. I was a little bit more into it. I was sort of leading the the charge on the the pub trivia we were going to. So we were like, well, I, I'm going to be more likely to be up to speed on this stuff anyway. So why don't I just do it? Uh, and it, it uh, that's that's pretty much how it went. It was a quick conversation. There wasn't a ton of hesitation as to which way it was going to go. Uh, what was it like the first time you met Christian face to face? Um, it was, that was overwhelming because I, it was when I had walked into a room that was packed of full of people that were at Star Wars Celebration. I mean, I think that room fit three or 400 people total and it was completely packed to the brim. So it, I don't have a very clear memory of meeting him and Ken and Alex and Molly and all the other competitors that day. It was more of just like, holy shit, there are a lot of people in here. Yikes. <laughs>
Hello everybody, Jay Wade and Kaylin here to tell you about SEN Afterlife. It's an after show podcast where we expand on the week of craziness on SEN Live as well as have guests on to join in the fun. Yep, and we get personal too. We do movie reviews and at times we go way off the rails, which I guarantee is always Kaylin's fault. Hey, how rude and not true. So come join us on the Mark with the Movie Blog feed and remember to rate, share, and subscribe. And as always, enjoy. Hi everyone, this is Sarah, host of Go Get That Rose podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to talking about all things Bachelor Nation. Join Jay Wade, a man in his 40s who is recently new to all things Bachelor Nation, and myself, someone who has been watching passionately for the past three years, as we review, share our thoughts on each episode of whatever show is currently on TV, whether that is Bachelor, Bachelorette, or Bachelor in Paradise. We might not even know everyone's names, but we have fun nonetheless. You can find us on Merkwood and Movie Blog Feed wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, and welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed that clip of Laura Kelly. If you'd like to hear more of that interview, just head on over to uh, the Merc with a Movie Blog podcast feed. It's on Anchor. Uh, it's anchor.fm slash movieblogmerc, and you can check that out. Uh, we've got an inter- that interview right there with Laura Kelly. You can hear the whole thing on SEN Afterlife. All right, so getting back into things, uh, they brought out three more managers uh, this time was Tom Dagnino, Roxy Stryer, and Kaiser. And they all, again, revealed their team names. Uh, Kaiser, of course, The Dungeon, bringing that back. He's not going anywhere with that. They revealed the logo. Awesome. I, I, I like that. I'm glad that they're sticking with The Dungeon. Uh, Roxy Stryer, uh, I, I knew that this was going to be her name because it's something that she started like, calling her fan base. Uh, and that's the Rock Stars, R O X T A R S, the Rock Stars, and I love that name, so I'm really glad she went with it. Uh, and then we have Tom Dagnino. Um, now I thought that Jay Washington's name of villains and heroes was it was okay. It was just a little boring. This one, no, no matter how creative, is the weirdest name and the one that I probably like the least. And that is the Finstock Exchange. Uh, you know, it's a play on the stock exchange, all this stuff. But I'm just like, nah, I'm not really feeling it. I was really hoping that they would just call their faction the Horsemen. Not the Five Horsemen, not the Four Horsemen, just the Horsemen. And just kind of build a crew there. That's really what I was hoping would happen. Um, unfortunately, it didn't. Uh, and speaking of the Horsemen, we are going to get into round, uh, match number three, which is the Founding Fathers versus Shazam for the tag team titles. Uh, out first was Shazam giving out some gifts of candy to the crowd, followed by the Founding Fathers, which was at this point just Dan Merle with uh, Mark, Ben, and Tom coming out with him. No John Roca to, uh, to be seen. Dan gets up there on the stage, gets on the mic, and addresses that John is not well, uh, and that he he says that he isn't here, um, so they're not 100% sure what they're going to do. He suggests taking on Shazam himself. It's not the first time it's happened, uh, but you know it's something that he suggests is him going, essentially a handicap match. Christian comes out, says that that is not something that they're you know willing to do. Uh, Christian says that they're just going to have to essentially forfeit and award the titles to Shazam, 
and Founding Fathers can play them in New York, for, you know, play for the titles in New York. Shazam says no, that that's not what they want to do. Uh, again, William Bibiani do you know stepping up and saying no, I don't want to win by a forfeit, just like you did with Ben. Um, and then the lights go out. Roka's music plays, and out comes John the Outlaw Roka. Uh, and you can tell he's he's not a hundred percent. You know he's kind of going a little slower. He's quiet. He's not as energetic as he usually is, which makes sense. You know, and I'm glad he wasn't going to go out there and just overdo it for the fans. Um, and we've seen this from other competitors before in the past, going out there sick or injured. You know, we you know we saw Mark Knopic, Rachel Cushing, and even his faction mate Ben Bateman. You know, we we've seen all this stuff from all these players just kind of playing through the pain. So it's not surprising that someone like John Roca would would choose to do it. You know, this game means the world to him. These titles mean the world to him. And he's not willing to just let it go like that. So uh, I I give him extreme props for coming out and playing uh, when he wasn't feeling well. So we get into round number one. And this was a a solid round. Uh, We had some fun stuff going on during, uh, I think it was question number three. (laughs) The answer was Matt Damon and Dan Merle did the Team America voice. Matt Damon. And I cracked up laughing. Both times that we watched it. Cracked up laughing. And it makes me wonder if anybody understood it or not. I don't know. Bibbs was like, I'm not going to say it in in a funny voice. But, yeah, it's freaking Team America, guys. Matt Damon. It was awesome. I loved it. Thank you, Dan Merle, for, for making me smile. Uh, then, uh, toward the end of that round, John and uh, and William creating some heat there, kind of getting going back and forth uh, on one another, which isn't surprising. It's something they do. I think that there is a little bit of real heat there between the two of them. Not a lot. I don't think it's like they dislike each other, but... I think that they rub each other the wrong way sometimes. And uh, I think this might have been been one of those times. However, we did get two perfect rounds from Shazam. Both uh, William Bibiani and Brendan Meyer got uh, all their questions correct. Uh, and then Brendan Meyer went on to nail that bonus question. Bibbs unfortunately did not. And uh, that ended round number one with uh, the Shazam in the lead 17-14. to 14. Pretty impressive round for, even for, honestly, for both teams. Uh, the Founding Fathers each getting seven seven points. That's nothing to sneeze at, you know. I think they did great. Um, and as Bibbs says, you know, with this being Brendan's first year, his first spectacular, and he had a perfect round, including the bonus, that is impressive. Uh, the kid did, did, did an amazing job here. And uh, I, I hope we see a whole lot more greatness from him uh, in the future. So then we get into round number two, and Shazam defers, Founding Fathers spin comedy, and then they respin to fantasy sci-fi. I love the fantasy sci-fi category. It is uh, definitely one of my favorites. If I was in the Schmodown, it would probably be one of my strengths. I tend to get most of those correct. It's a genre that I that I, that I actually really, really enjoy to watch. Uh, so the Founding Fathers seem to, to enjoy this category as well, too, as they went on to get all six of their questions correct for 12 points, taking the lead 26-17. to 17. They got a nine-point lead here. They crushed it going, uh, coming out of their round two. 
Uh, and then we get, head on over to Shazam, who also spins fantasy sci-fi, but are forced, obviously, to re-spin. Uh, they land on David Fincher for their first official spin and decide to keep it. And they do pretty good here. They get 10 total points, 5 questions out of the 6. They do go to multiple choice on 1 and miss it and allow the Founding Fathers to get a 1-point steal here, tying the game at the end of round 2, 27-27. This is exactly what happened in uh, William Bibiani's first match. It came out of round number 2, tied, after having uh, a bit of a lead there. Um, so it's it's... You know, when you when you're going up against top tier people, you really you don't you really don't want to miss stuff. Um, and unfortunately for them, missing that second question there uh, really put them at a, uh, in a bad advantage. Then we get into round number three, the dreaded betting round. The category is drama, and the question was: In the Disaster Artist, what does Tommy force Greg to do? that causes him to lose the opportunity of a role in a popular TV show. And the answer was shave his beard. Founding Fathers wagered two points and got it correct. And unfortunately for Shazam, they wagered two points and were unable to pull the answer, dipping down from their lead, just like what happened in the uh, match that uh, Bibiani had with uh, Ben Bateman, Opened up a, a decent-sized gash here at the end of round three uh, with Founding Fathers taking a four-point lead, 29-25. to 25. Then we get into round number four, and it seemed like Shazam was really uh, pulling ahead here. They got the first three questions. They buzzed in, got them right. On that third question, though, uh, Brendan did get a little aggressive with the buzzer, uh, which happens, you know, he's pretty new to it, you know, the whole buzzer thing. I mean, he, he he's, he's brand new to this. And he got a little overexcited and was smacking it pretty hard. Uh, and I think uh, Roka made some comments about it, and I think Roka got in Brendan's head a little bit after that. Um, Brendan kind of takes things to heart, and he feels bad about stuff like that. He doesn't want to He doesn't want to offend people. He doesn't want to ruffle feathers in, in, in the showdown. You know, he wants to be respectful and all that stuff. And I think it got to him. I think it got in his head. And uh, the founding, you could kind of see he seemed a little bit deflated uh, after that. And the founding fathers were able to uh, grab the last two questions in, in that round, which were things that, questions that Shazam really needed. They really needed those points in order to pull ahead. Um, but unfortunately, they weren't able to get those uh, those points and the Founding Fathers stay in the lead, 31-28, to 28, a three-point deficit. Now, they did come up a little bit. The uh, Shazam did gain a point, but they're still down by three, which is not where you want to be. Um, they go into round number five, and, man, this was a rough round. They get their first question right and are unable to get anything after that. They miss both the three and the five, and the Founding Fathers win via a T. K.O. 31 to 30 to retain the titles. Uh, the Founding Fathers are now completely safe and will remain with Finstock when the draft comes along. Bibbs has officially lost both of these matches during Spectacular via a TKO. That's rough, you know. 
I know people have said in the past that he does not do well in the in the last in that final round, and unfortunately, he showed that a little bit here. Um, sometimes it just doesn't go your way, though. So hopefully, he'll be able to pick himself back up for for season seven and have a great season and 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 work his way back up to either a team's title or uh, a singles title or maybe even both. Who knows? Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. So Dan comes, uh, gets on the mic, at, you know, during the post interviews. Uh, he brings out his girlfriend Mara Kanopic uh, and thanks her. And it almost seemed like maybe he was gonna propose. He even says, you know, Bibbs thought I was gonna propose. I was talking to uh, Jay Wade, who hosts uh, uh, SCN After Live, while we were we were uh, messaging back and forth while watching the live stream. And even he thought that that's what was going to happen. And I'm sitting here, eh, maybe, maybe that is what's going to happen. But it did not. He didn't propose. Uh, what he did, however, do was decide that and then announce that he will be entering the Inner Geekdom League come 2020. That's right. Dan Merle will now be fighting in the Inner Geekdom League. And both him and Mara really want to play each other. So that's uh, I, I can't wait to see that happen. Uh, then Shazam had their post interview, and even though they lost, uh, they you know they talked about how they are still protected. They they ranked, they are protected. They're not getting split up, so you know that's something that they need to focus on. And he he vows that they will get tag team gold next year. He vows to Brendan that it's this is not done. They will be champions. And I agree. I, I really think that that's, that's something that's going to happen. You know, it may take a couple tries, but hey, nothing e- nothing great comes easy. You, you got to fight for what you want, and uh, you got to want what you fight for. All right, so during the time in between the, uh, the third match and the fourth match, they bring out the 10th manager, the mystery manager. I honestly thought they were going to save it for the end, but they decided to do it kind of in the middle. And this 10th manager is none other than Sam Levine. See, I I was actually really shocked here. I had heard from a couple of different inside sources, a couple of the competitors, that it was going to be Rachel Cushing. Um, You know, a couple of people may have accidentally uh, uh, said that during an interview, maybe. I'm not going to say who, but... uh, it came out that way. So I'm curious if something changed or if maybe Christian was having people uh, just kind of try and throw off some of the podcasters to see if anybody spilled the beans or the fake beans, I guess. But uh, so like I, I thought I thought for sure that it was going to be Rachel Cushing, but it wound up being Sam Levine, which is cool. You know, it's good to see him back in the league doing something. And he his team name is is the usual suspects. I like that. I think that really fits him uh, you know, in, in his like movie style, the stuff that he likes to watch and all that stuff. I dig it, uh, and I am very excited to see uh, how he does in the draft next year. Then we went to an intermission here. It was like a 30-minute intermission, so there was a lot of time to do whatever you needed to do. 
Um, however, during this time, uh, RB3, Christian Rubicaba, and Alex Marzonia were having a bunch of fun on stage during this, sitting at the desk, being goofy. It was definitely entertaining to see what uh, what they were up to uh, here, and it, it made this uh, this really long intermission kind of worth sticking around to just watch, to kind of see what uh, what kind of antics these guys got up to. So then Mark and Christian came back after the intermission. However, uh, there was like a glitch with the sound. And for like two or three minutes, there was absolutely no sound in the feed. So I missed a, you know, missed a bunch of what they said. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what happened, uh, but it was the same on like the replay when, when I went back and rewatched it. So I don't think it was like my, like my iPad or whatever or my TV because I, watch, I watched it live on the TV. I watched it on my iPad the second time. Um... I don't think it was that. I don't think it was my connection or anything because it happened at that exact same spot. And plus, like, you could hear, uh, like, they, they were playing, like, the Schmodown music at the beginning. And you could hear the music, but, like, you could see them talking and, then, and there was no no voices coming out. And then when the music faded away, the mu- the, the voices were still gone. So, and it, like I said, it took, like, two or three minutes before uh, the voices came back on. So, I don't know. I don't know if they got that audio anywhere else. Uh, and are maybe going to be able to kind of get it, splice it in during the editing process before, you know, when they put it up on YouTube. But uh, I don't know. Some stuff was definitely missed. I don't know what they were talking about. Uh, So then we are going to get into match number four. This is probably the most highly touted match of the night. This is the, the one that's got the most hype going on for it, people, the most anticipation and that is the Mike Kalinowski versus Kevin Smets Inner Geekdom title match. It's uh, Kalinowski Smets 2. Smets coming back for revenge after losing to Kalinowski before. You know, Smets was on a roll, man. I think he had like four wins under, three or four wins under his belt. And then he went up against Mike Kalinowski and, and he, he fell to the ground. But he was able to pick himself back up, fight and claw his way back to the top and get this opportunity again. Twice in one year, he was able to do this. Uh, and I think that says a lot, that he was able to fight and claw and scratch his way back up to the top twice in one year in his rookie season. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I think he that uh, that, that this kid needs, he needs to be up for rookie of the year. And I think he should be the one to win it. So out first was Kevin Smets with Kaiser. Uh, and Kaiser gives a great promo. He, he always does. He's great on the mic. Uh, I love when they do these live events and you get these live promos. It's always interesting to watch. Uh, and then followed by Mike Kalinowski with Most of Corruption uh, and with the amazing David B. performing the Corruption theme live. This guy is awesome. Uh, he has been on uh, our other one of our other shows, After Live. It's a Collider Live after show. Uh, he's been on there numerous times. He even did the, the theme song for our for that show for us as well. Uh, it's fantastic. Check out his stuff, David B. Music on YouTube. Uh, definitely check that out. Now, during the, the promo for Corruption, uh, after Ken was all done talking, Shannon tried to get on the mic, uh, and, but Grace cut her off. So there's been some tension there for, for a while now between Grace and Shannon, uh, and it continues here, uh, and we see it get even hotter uh, later on in, in the night. And speaking of Grace, she actually got a haircut, and I gotta say, it looks great. She's a beautiful woman. I love I love redheads, 
and uh, she this this hairstyle on her looked fantastic. Uh, I I really really liked it. And then Mike goes on to give one of the best promos he's ever done. The monster is unleashed, and I am pumped to see what happens here. Uh, Mike even got in Smets's face. Some damn good heat. I guess they were doing like they were kind of getting each, in each other's grill during the uh, fan expo before the the show went on. So I was like, I don't know if this is a work. I don't know if this is a shoot. And honestly, I don't fucking care because it is fantastic storytelling. You know, they're doing this. If it is a work and they're over here doing it during the fan expo, bring it into the show, that's amazing. And if it's and if it's a shoot, ooh, man, then they got some serious heat going on. I'm glad that they're utilizing it during this storyline. So whatever the case is, bring it on. Unleash the monster. Kalinowski, Smets, let's make them fight each other all the time. I don't care. These two guys are gold. All right, so we're going to get into round number one. And uh, Smets had a, had a hell of a night here, man. Getting a perfect round, smashing his bonus. Unfortunately for Mike Kalinowski, starts off this, this, this match uh, kind of rough, man. He only gets 7 out of 10 points. Um, and in a normal match, that's fine, 7 points. But when it's a championship match against a competitor like Kevin Smets, that is a lot to miss. He winds up at the end of round one down by four points, 11 to seven, and that is not a place you want to be. Kevin Smets then uh, in round two spins Middle Earth, respins and lands on, yep, you guessed it, heroes and villains. We saw that recently, didn't we? Uh, and he goes on to crush it, answering all five questions for 10 total points. Uh, he almost missed his final question, but because he was like stumbling with the pronunciation, trying to get get that get the word out, uh, but he decided he's just on, on quick on the fly, spelled out the answer so that they so that they knew he knew what it was, but he was just having some difficulty speaking. It happens, but he spelled it correctly so that they and, and they accepted the answer, and Mike didn't fight it or anything. Mike thought, you know, hey, that was fine, uh, so he got that point. And uh, takes an even bigger lead here, 21 to 17, uh, having Mike trail by 14 points here. Mike needs to get all 10 points just to get back up to that four point ga- that four point deficit. And unfortunately, he's unable to do that. He spins MCU, sticks with it. You'd think, well, you know, he's, he's a comic book guy. Maybe he'll get this. It's the MCU. Unfortunately, he's only able to get three out of the five questions for six points. Misses two of them and allows for three points worth of steals. So Kevin Smets takes an even bigger lead uh, at the end of round number two, going from four points up to 11 points. That's right, 11-point gap here, 24 to 13. This is incredible. Uh, If this was a a three-round match, the game would be done. This would be a knockout right here. But unfortunately for Mike, or maybe fortunately, uh, he has to sit through a few more rounds before the inevitable happens. Uh, Mike, honestly, probably should have spun again. He may have made a mistake not doing so. Um, Maybe he was just too confident. Maybe he didn't want to land on something that he was really bad at or something. But 
if you're going to be in this league, you got to be really good at everything. And, and we've heard that from lots of different sources. That's really a thing. You've got to be great at everything on the category or on the wheel uh, in, in, in order to really succeed. All right, so we get into round number three, the betting round, and they land on DCEU. Uh, so the question was, in Shazam, who played Freddie Freeman's adult alter ego? And the answer was Adam Brody. They both got this question correct. Mike wagered three, and Kevin Smets wagered two. Uh, so Mike kind of shored up the gap a little bit here. 26-16, to 16, he went from 11-point deficit up to 10. Uh, at this point, uh, at this point, if Smets can answer three of the five uh, speed round questions, he will win via t- via a knockout. Right, that's all he needs. He needs three out of the five, uh, and he needs to al- make sure that Mike doesn't get ahead of him. And that is exactly what happens. Kevin Smets gets three out of the five questions, and holy shit! Kevin Smets beats Mike Kalinowski via a knockout, 29-18, to 18, and is now the new Inner Geekdom Champion. And this right here solidifies Kevin Smets, in my mind, as the Rookie of the Year. He had an extremely strong start to, the season, to his rookie season, an even stronger finish getting the title. He... Fought and scratched his way to two title matches in 2019, in his rookie year. This is incredible. This kid is just, he is phenomenal. And he deserves rookie of the year. He deserves inner geekdom slash uh, Star Wars player of the year. He is phenomenal. Uh, Kevin Smets, new inner geekdom champion. Uh, Christian Christian messes, messed up and started announcing Mike as the winner, which I was like, whoa. And then he kind of backtracked. So that's probably something that you won't get in um, uh, the edited version. They'll probably edit that out and just have him start kind of when he says uh, that it's Kevin Smith as the new Inner Geekdom uh, champion. I was like, whoa. Uh, yeah, I got to make sure you don't mess that kind of thing up, dude. Um, and then during the post-interviews, Mike and Chance dump Grace and Ken during, uh, like I said, during that post-match. They just they just go up and say, you guys are done. We are done with you. Uh, no more. And they and they take off. I was like, wow. So it's like, are they no longer part of corruption? Or are Ken and Grace no longer? Like, are they fired from corruption? You know, how exactly does that work? We will find out. And we will find out right here. Uh, as they bring out the final three managers. First up is Emma Fife. And she names hers, of course, the Fife Club. Why wouldn't you? You know, you bring that back. She says she's no longer gonna be you know the the nice person, letting people walk all over her. Seems like maybe we're getting a heel turn from Emma. And I kinda dig that. Then Shannon comes out and interrupts Emma, throwing F bombs and other swears all over the place, even though they were told not to do this. There's kids in the crowd. But she's just like, F this and F that and shit and bitch and fuck and everything else. She's just all over the fucking place. Uh, she went on to announce that she is now the new manager of Corruption. And so, yes, that team name is going to stay the same, Corruption. And Shannon will actually be the manager. So we technically got two mystery managers. We got uh, Sam Levine and now Shannon Barney. 
uh, as managers. Then Emma announced that Grace Hancock, she's not out of this. She is joining the Fife Club as a new advisor. Not a player, not a manager, but an advisor. So it keeps her there. And seeing Grace and Emma team up, it definitely makes me think that Emma is uh, going heel. So I'm, I'm really interested to see where they where this all leads. Then after all the ladies leave, out comes the final manager, Robert Meyer Burnett. He goes on for a while, patting himself on the back, then finally reveals the team name, the Burning Droogs. It's a cool name. I dig it. The cool logo, too. I, I, I dig it. So uh, Then... He, as I said, he was going on for a little bit, kind of like I said, giving himself praise and all this stuff. And then Andrew Guy pops up on the big screen, talking about how Robert Myronette promised him and McWeeny so much, and then let him let them down. And he, so what he does is he breaks ties with Robert Meyer Burnett, says that he can draft him, but he won't play, and that he is coming for Burnett. If he winds up on another team, he will destroy Robert. Meyer Burnett, uh, he, that he's not going to retire as he said he was during uh, their, their last match and that he should that Burnett needs to watch his back. So I am pretty pumped for this. Um, Christian essentially spoiled this a long time ago on, uh, I think it was on the first episode of Backstage, on uh, Schmodown Backstage. He talked about uh, the whole Paddington 2 family match where since you know Paddington Two had won, and the, what the plan was was that he was going to send a uh, guy out there and end things with uh, Robert Meyer Burnett. He's going to turn on Burnett, but then the whole thing happened and it got overturned, and so the family won, and so that didn't happen. But it happened here, so I'm actually kind of pumped that they did it, but that they did it in a way that I was not expecting. You know, I thought maybe they it was going to happen la- like uh, during that last match that they had, where guy retired. I thought it was going to be them turning on Burnett, but it didn't happen. So I was like, oh wow, okay, I guess they're just going to scrap that idea. Interesting, but then it happened here, and I I love how they did it. I thought it was perfectly done. Uh, bravo, Christian! Uh, it was it was great. It was, it was so well done. I I really really enjoyed it. Um, Burnett starts going off. Uh, it's kind of reminded me of the return, you know, of like a return to that Navarro era Burnett, where he'd be like Navarro, and he'd get real loud and screaming about everything. That's what it really reminded me of. So I kind of, honestly, I kind of hope we go back to that era. It was uh, entertaining to watch. So uh, we'll see what happens in 2020. Uh, Christian, he, he gets sick of this. Uh, he he has uh, Burnett's mic cut off. Didn't matter because he's a loud dude. You could still hear him. You can even hear Christian like telling someone to cut the lights. Eventually, Ellis goes out and takes his mic from him, and they get him off the stage. It was a hell of a kind. Of, it wasn't even a part of a match. It was just stuff that happened in between, and it was that could be a, like a, like a moment of the year right there. It was it was pretty fantastic. I absolutely loved it. All right, and so before we get into this final match, uh, I'd like to take a quick ad break to talk about some of the other shows here on the Merc with a Movie blog podcast feed. So stay tuned, and we will be right back. 
Hey everybody, Sean and Wade here to tell you about our new review show following each episode of Disney Plus's The Mandalorian. Dude, yes, Boba Fett! Not exactly, Wade. Set in the Star Wars universe, The Mandalorian takes place five years after Return of the Jedi and follows a Mandalorian bounty hunter beyond the reaches of the New Republic. Yeah, Boba Fett. Did you even watch Return of the Jedi? Never mind. Join us here every week on the Merc with the Movie blog feed. <laughs> Thank God Kaylin will be here too. I don't think I can handle Wade on my own. Hey, it's Sarah, and I'd like to tell you about Afterlife. It's a weekly Collider Live after show podcast where Mike, Sean, and I give our takes on Rocks and Uranus Annex, on Yodi's producing skills, and whatever Cody and Alex are up to in that booth. In addition to having guests, we expand on the crew's discussions and add our own craziness to You can find the show on Merkwin and Movie Blog Feed on all the podcasting platforms. See you soon! Alright, and we are back. Be sure to check out those shows and all of the other shows on Merc with Movie Blog on Anchor at anchor.fm slash movieblogmerc. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieblogmerc. All right, we're going to head into our final match. Match number five, the main event, Paul Oyama versus Ben Bateman in a singles title match. This is, uh, this is, this is good. Um, ben Bateman is one of those guys that... I was not sure of, like, I knew that he was talented. I knew that him and Guy were great uh, performers, you know, when they were team action. And then they split, and I was like, I don't know. Let's, what does this guy really have when it comes to just being him? And I got to say, he has got me on board. He has really impressed me, uh, and he's definitely up there, if not my top choice for player of the year this, you know, for uh, the awards this year. So out first was Ben Bateman with the Horsemen, followed by Paulo Yama with the, the members of fellow members of the Dungeon. All the people there, they get ready. Uh, as they're getting ready, they have some issues with one of the mics. Eventually, they get it all sorted out. Uh, but I thought it was kind of funny. They're just having having issues, and you get to see all of that when you're watching the live event. You don't, you know, I'm sure that when they repost it, all that stuff is probably just gonna be cut out. You know, where they're fiddling with the mic, where they got a, they had to switch seats because they were in the wrong chairs. I bet you anything, all of that will be uh, cut out, and it'll just jump right in to round number one, just like we are. And this was a pretty close match, 6-7. to seven. Uh, Bateman takes the lead. You know, nothing, nothing too crazy. However, I was shocked that both of them missed this RoboCop question, especially Ben Bateman, who's, you know, he's... He's an action guy. He literally they have a podcast called The Action Guys. You know, Action Movie Anatomy, The Action Industry. Like, I was really shocked that he missed this RoboCop question. Uh, so let me get into round number two. Ben Defers and Paul Spins Classics. Although there was a little bit, little tiny bit of controversy here. Ben claimed that the uh, like the needle was directly on the line. It was like on the peg. Uh, Ellis came out, made the call that it was indeed on Classics, and and, and he decides to keep it. Uh, Paul decides to keep it because Classics is one of his drinks. Now, my opinion on this whole thing, anytime I've seen, because this is not the first time that this has happened, where they spin the wheel and kind of like the, the peg stops it, but it just sits on the peg. It always goes to whatever that little needle is actually pointing toward. And since it's pointing 
to classics, that's where it should go. If it moved like half an inch and popped into the next category, then sure, you get that other category. But it's pointing at classics, that's where it should go. And unfortunately for Paul, these classics, not in his wheelhouse, as he completely tanks this this round, getting no points here. However, Ben also tanks this, getting no steals. Ben had the opportunity for seven points worth of steals. The first three questions, Paul did not go to multiple choice. He just threw out an answer and missed. Threw out an answer and missed. Threw out an answer and missed. And Ben was unable to capitalize on any of them. Uh, And then on that final question, went multiple choice, missed. And again, Ben didn't listen to to the answers given. He assumed that they would tell him what answer Paul gave. They've never done that. I've had I've I've seen other matches where people aren't paying attention and they they ask that same question. What what was what answer did he give? And they don't tell you. If you're not paying attention, then so be it. And you may answer the same question that they did, which is exactly what he did. Um, so n- competitors, make sure you pay attention because that you know miss getting a point could be the thing that wins you a match. You, you know what I mean? So always pay attention. I just I just couldn't believe that Paul, you know, in a strength of his, missed all of the questions. It's he probably should have gone multiple choice during at least some maybe maybe a few of them, maybe he really really 100% thought he was correct, but he wasn't. But if you've got a doubt, dude, especially after missing the first one, Go to multiple choice, man. You may have been able to get something out of process of elimination. You may have been able to get uh, at least a couple of points, but he didn't. So unfortunately, uh, that score of six to seven stayed the same coming out of this round, of this portion of the round. Uh, ben then goes up and spins comedy and lands on uh, respins, I should say, and then lands on Julia Roberts movies. And he does great here. He gets all four questions, goes to multiple choice once, gets seven out of eight points. And he was relishing in these correct answers. Each time he got one right, he was loving it. Knowing that Paul got nothing right, he was just eating it up and loving it. So then we get into round number three, the betting round, comic book movies. And the question was, this was, I thought this was a great question. Uh, it was tough, uh, and as we see, it was even tough for these two guys. As the question was, which actor played the Penguin in 1966's Batman the Movie? The answer was Burgess Meredith. Neither of them got this question correct. Paul wagered two points. Ben wagered one. So they l- both lost that amount of points, making uh, the end of round three with Ben in the lead 13-4. to four. Uh, Paul down by nine points. This is a rough match for the champ. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't know what was going on. I don't know if he's just, he was just having a rough day. I guess. And you know that happens to everybody. I remember Christian Harloff had a insanely bad match uh, when he was 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 the champ. It, it happens. You know, unfortunately, it, it sometimes happens. Um, round number four, the speed round. We get in. Ben just boom, boom, boom hits the first three. And then it comes down to this final question here. If Ben gets it, 
he uh oh excuse me if ben gets it or if paul misses it then ben wins and that's exactly what happened paul buzzes in gets the question wrong he says uh grem they the question is what type in the movie gremlins what type of creature is gizmo and he buzzes in and says gremlin and and then they they Instantly, he realizes it, and after they, you know, they announce the winner, he realizes it, and you can even hear him say, uh, Mogwai, because he knew that he was wrong. Uh, the gremlin is what happens after they eat after midnight. They turn into a gremlin. Um, however, unfortunately for him, it, it, it didn't matter that he realized it after, because the answer that he gave was incorrect, and Ben Bateman wins the title via a knockout. 3 to 16. 3 points. 3 points is what Paul got. 3 points in a 5 round match. And Ben becomes the new singles champion. I really hope that this humbles Oyama a bit. He has been a bit on the cocky side throughout this whole year, thinking he's unbeatable even though in my opinion, he's had a bit of an easy go at things. Yeah, he's beaten some some great talents, but he did all that tournament. That tournament was kind of bush league. I'm sorry, I I wasn't a big fan of you know have all these rookies just in a tiny little tournament that gives them an automatic shot at the title. Like I don't know, I wasn't a huge fan of that. I really preferred that they kind of cut their teeth a bit more, earned it a little bit more. I I, I don't know. Played up against some some I I don't know maybe maybe I'm just seeing it that way but that's that that's my opinion I, I I think that he had a bit of an easier go to the to the title than a lot of other people have so hopefully again that this will humble him a bit you know you get to the top so quick you know and when you're at the top there's only really one way to go and that's down and he plummeted hard uh, hit the ground hard so hopefully he'll be able to pick himself up. Start over and uh, go from there. I, I I really hope that he can have a good career and maybe change his attitude a bit. Now with this win, Ben Bateman is protected uh, in the draft, which also means that who's the boss is protected in the draft because he can't be drafted anywhere else. And if he's taken, so is Mark because they are, I believe, a, a protected team. Uh, they are a ranked team, so they can't be split up. And since Dagnino will automatically get to keep Ben, that means he automatically gets to keep who's the boss. And therefore, all four members of the Horsemen are protected and will remain together. So the Horsemen will continue to ride in 2020 in Season 7 of the Schmodown. It's been a hell of a year for the Horsemen. Tom won the Draft Bowl. Dan won the Free For All. Founding Fathers won and then defended the team belts, Ben won the singles tournament, and now won the singles title. That's impressive, man. That is super, super impressive. I do feel a little bit bad for Mark Riley. He's standing up there, doesn't have any gold, um, doesn't have any huge accomplishments during the year. But you know what? He's part of this great team, and I really think he makes Ben a better player. So I, you know what? Without without Mark Riley, I I don't I don't know if Ben would necessarily be here. I think he's really been a, a help to him and pushed him. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, 
Uh, I'm not there behind the scenes, but it just that's kind of what the vibe that I get. And so that does it, everybody. That is the Schmodown Spectacular 4. This was a fantastic event. Let me know what you guys think. Hop on Twitter at MovieBlogMerk and let me know. Uh, coming up, we've got uh, this week, we've got the Who's in the Studio exhibition match. I believe that drops tomorrow, which will be Wednesday. Uh, and then during this off season, I'll be doing some some shows. Obviously, I'll be covering the nominations for the uh, Schmodown Awards, of which I have received a pre-nomination, which I'm very honored. I know it's not like a full, like a, like a finalized nomination, but I am on the list. The Merc with Movie Blog Talking Schmodown is on the list of pre-noms. So please, if you're a patron and you're out there, please vote for me, man. Just I'd love to get on that nomination list, that finalized nomination list. It would mean the world to me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, coming up next month, we've got the awards and the draft on January 11th, the New York Live show, which I'll be at on January 25th, and uh, an Atlanta Live show on February 29th. All kinds of great stuff happening. Season 7 is going to be even better than the Magic Season Season 6. I am so pumped. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. Uh, it's, been, it's been a great year so far, and I am excited for what's to come next. Uh, I am gonna. I really am hoping to really step up the uh, uh, the Merc with Movie Blog channel and everything. Get more written reviews. Start doing some video reviews. Do more video stuff. I know people like that, and I, I feel like maybe that's something that's probably preventing you know me from really blossoming here. Is that most of these reactors, if not all of them, do video, uh, and it's not something that that I I do. I tend to just do this audio. Um, I'll tell you this, I'm not going to do full episode reaction type stuff. There are so many people out there that do that. But what I'm considering is doing this show on video, maybe putting in clips of the match and like doing small reactions to that throughout the show that way. Um, so if that's something that you think you'd like to see, let me know. Hop on Twitter, uh, Twitter and Instagram at MovieBlogMerk and Facebook and YouTube at Merc with a Movie Blog. Let me know what you guys think. So uh, until next time, uh, I hope you guys had a great time here. And uh, I I hope that you come back. I, again, am Josh the Merc Rainer, and we have been talking Schmodown. Catch you next time.